0: Uh, the theme verse in, uh, for the book of Ecclesiastes and also uh, for our passage this morning is Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Uh, every person in this room uh, needs to heed that. I need to heed that as well. And so we're going to be going through that this morning. I want to start by saying uh, Nancy and I spent a couple weeks in Hawaii um, and we came back two weeks ago. uh, And when we were first there, we heard of a possible hurricane that was coming. Um, We were in the island of Kauai, which would be the last one to to experience that uh hurricane if it was going to come and and it turned out that it it did not come until a little bit later and by then we were back in the states and uh uh, i think you all were in maui right yeah and uh so uh you got out in time Uh, that's good um but I thought what I would do is uh, show you some pictures uh, because it reminds me of the theme that we have of the two major themes of Ecclesiastes, which are life as a gift from God to be enjoyed. And the second one is that life has serious limitations because of the fall of man. And you can see that really clearly. I'm going to show you some pictures. Uh, this is Lahaina, uh, it's, a, it's the kind of the main street, it's along the, uh, along the ocean there, and uh, I've been there many times, I think, how many of you have been to Lahaina? Yeah, so a lot of you have, and, uh, and it's not the same today. Here's that same street, uh, a different uh, place on the street. And so you can see the damage. It was a firestorm that came through. And so what we enjoyed uh, for so many years, um, there's uh, been a storm that has come through and has ruined uh, that city. One of the landmarks is the banyan trees. And... uh, uh, I'll say the banyan tree, because uh, all these are interconnected, and it's an amazing uh, part of God's creation that we enjoy. and And um, I've walked through where they're walking, and and enjoyed just seeing that great sight. Well, today that looks like that, and they don't really know whether those trees will survive. Um, Uh, The roots are in are in place, but you can see that uh, all the foliage uh, most of it anyway is gone and uh, So there will be a question as to whether that lasts. Here's Here's how it uh, used to look that big green area uh, is the banyan tree And, and of course And then it looks like this today so it's no longer green, it's uh, charred and, and uh, the little house in front of that uh, which is uh, is no longer there I mean it's just uh, you can see the, the damage to that and and so I I just you know I thought about this and just thinking about what happened here, uh, things that we God gave us to enjoy uh, the city of Of uh, Lahaina uh, the island of Maui Um, and now all that's changed and and that's what uh, what uh, Solomon talks about in the book of Ecclesiastes there there are things that God has given us to enjoy they're a gift from God Um, but life has serious limitations because of the fall of man Um, now, this is an act of God, but uh, it's an act of God because of the fall of man. And so uh, I think that's just a good, um, good way to think about these things, that uh, things that we like to enjoy are no longer there, and so we need to enjoy them while we have them. And, and uh, we'll see that in our lesson uh, this morning as well. Here's a theme statement for our lesson Uh, People are to live and enjoy all the years of life remembering their creator and knowing there will be uncertainties and calamities along the way. Young people are encouraged to enjoy their youth, knowing that old age has physical limitations. In all of life, every person is required to fear God and to keep his commandments. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's read the first Uh, six verses Uh, chapter 11 here cast your bread on the surface of the waters for you will find it after many days divide your portion to seven or even to eight for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wild, of the wind rather, and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will uh, succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. Um, Did you notice uh, a repetition of some words in that first six verses? Verse two, it says, you do not know. What misfortune may occur on the earth? Verse 3, although it doesn't say it, it's implied. You do not know where the tree will fall. Wherever it falls, there it lies. Verse 5, you do not know the path of the winds. And you do not know how bones are formed in the womb. You do not know the activity of God who makes all things. And then in verse 6, you do not know whether literally this is this or that time of sowing will succeed, and yet um, he tells us to actively engage in business ventures, expecting a return on investment. He says, "Cast your bread on the surface of the waters, and you will find it after many days." As we go through the, this uh, passage. Um, you're going to see pictures. Uh, this is a picture of, it doesn't actually tell us that we're to throw bread on the water. Um, uh, that has uh, different problems, uh, soggy bread. Uh, so it must be a picture of something. Um, sometimes uh, commentators over the years have used this passage uh, to speak of charity. But most commentators point to the realm of commerce rather than uh, that of philanthropy. Uh, John MacArthur uh, said, quote, Take a calculated and wise step forward in life like a farmer who throws his seed on the wet and marshy ground and waits for it to grow. Um, And other commentators relate this to maritime trade, uh, which by nature requires investing resources, and then uh, waiting for a long time for ships to, uh, to return. Here's King Solomon, he says, for the king had this at sea the ships of Tarshish uh, with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years the ships of Tarshish came bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes and peacocks. And so there was a, there was a time uh, to wait for things. Uh, and so you couldn't count on doing something and then getting a return uh, the next day. And it's the same way today. There are a lot of things that we do that we don't see the results of until many years later. Um, and so uh, we're to be like uh, King Solomon who invested anyway uh, in spite of those uncertainties and, um, Solomon says, get, uh, get committed to invest for profit. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, I saw uh, again saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, and the battle is not to the warriors, and neither is bread to the wise, nor wealth to the discerning, nor favor to men of ability. For time and chance overtake them all. In other words, uh, it's, it's not always the best person that succeeds. Um, and so he says to cast, uh, cast your bread upon the water. That's a command that uh, brings with it, um, releasing it, uh, carries the idea of commitment. Uh, once you've cast something out there, you're committed. And that's the idea that is, uh, that is uh, contained there. Secondly, diversify your risk, for you do not know when unexpected calamity will occur. Um, Verse 2 says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. And good commentators are divided um, on whether this is talking about uh, financial risk uh, in connection with uh, verse 1. Or it's referring to sharing profits with others um, in the event that calamity strikes. And the idea is that uh, you're to share that with others because someday you may need the same thing. And uh, so in either case, uh, Solomon's command is to act and uh, to do it prudently. For you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Number three is to, says to live life and take action, but not on the basis of what you do not know. Um, Solomon uses uh, agricultural examples because of his agrarian, agrarian uh, society that he lived in. Uh, verse 3 says, when the, if the clouds are full, they pour out rain on the earth, and whether a tree falls uh, toward the south or toward the north, Wherever the tree falls, it lies there. One commentator wrote, uh, mankind cannot control the difficulties of life, um, even when he anticipates them, and because they often are totally unexpected events. Uh, Just like we saw the the, uh, firestorm, Uh, we heard about uh, high winds, Uh, we heard about a hurricane. Uh, but we didn't know what was going to happen. Nobody knew. God knew. Uh, and so, um, and he says, um, literally, uh, a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, and, but wherever it falls, um, there it is. And uh, we had no control over that. Um, verse 4 says, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. Uh, this is the idea of procrastination uh, based on uh, really the smallest sign of calamity. We don't do anything. Um, it's like you say, it's, you know, it's pretty windy today. Uh, I think I'll wait until tomorrow. You ever done that? Uh, or probably it's going to rain. Uh, I'll put my work off until tomorrow. And I, I'm always interested in the fact that uh, I play golf and we look at the weather before we go. And I'm certain that when I look at it, I look at it differently than I do if I had work to do. Um, but often, oftentimes, uh, it looks like it's going to rain and the golfers say, it's Texas. We're going to go out and we're going to go play. And most of the time... You know, we come through it and nothing happens, but sometimes some uh, the rain does come and and we have to stop playing. But uh, but that's the idea is that uh, some people are overly concerned about you know the wind and the rain and and those things and and it makes them procrastinate and say well I'll I'll do whatever I plan to do tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a better day. Well, tomorrow may not be a better day, and so uh, the message here is: don't procrastinate. Verse verse five says, "Just as you do not know the path of the wind, and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things." Um, Because you don't know, we don't know some of the basic things in life. Um, You don't know how they happen how uh, bones in the womb develop um, but God knows that so it it is the activity of the sovereign God, our sovereign God uh, who makes all things and causes all things to happen and uh, we need to rest with that, so we have no excuse for not living to the fullest and that's the idea that is contained here, we need to go out and live life and not be worried about uh, things that may not happen uh, or may happen. Number four is make decisions and take action, even in the face of ignorance, things we don't know, and disappointment. Uh, Verse 6 says, sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good um, James four seventeen says therefore to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin and, and uh, I know that verse applies to um, things that uh, you know to be evil but uh, you know when it comes time to work And you put that out. You you don't do it uh, when you should do it. Uh, The Bible says that can be sin. uh, That uh, that you're not doing what you need to do. The next four verses. uh, Let's read them. uh, Verses seven through ten. The light is pleasant. And it's good for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in them all. And let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come will be futility. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood. And let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. And follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. So remove grief and anger from your heart, and put away pain from your body, because childhood and prime of life are fleeting. Uh, We're to enjoy life to the end, um, and it's pretty clear that uh, He addresses uh, that we start that when when we're young. Um, life is sweet and man can, can and should rejoice in all the days of his life, even though there will be many days of darkness and futility. And we see that in verse uh, 7 and 8. Verse 7 says, The light is pleasant and is good for the eyes to see the sun. And light represents life and goodness. Um, it's interesting that in Genesis, during the creation um, that the first thing that God did, he says, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light that it was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And uh, light for God is independent of the sun, moon, and the stars, uh, because uh, it wasn't until the fourth day that he created the sun, moon, and stars. And But he created light um, on the first day, Um And so, light is pleasant, it is good uh, for the eyes to see the sun. Psalm 9711 says, light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Um, uh, Dark days are hard. Uh, Days with sunshine, although not too much sunshine, um, is is for the righteous. It's, uh, it's God's blessing on all of us. Um, Isaiah 45, 7 says, The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity, I am the Lord who does all of these. Um, and so it's the Lord who gives us light. It's the Lord who causes calamity. Um, and he does uh, both of those uh, frequently. Verse 8 says, Indeed, if a man should live many years, let him rejoice in all in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything that is to come uh, will be futility. We are to rejoice in life every day. Uh, it says rejoice in them all. Uh, when we get up in the morning and, and it's a dark day, we're to rejoice in that, we're Rejoice in every day. Uh, you know, we just need to remember there will be dark days of futility. Uh, I like this quote from Michael Eaton because he reaches back to the first six verses. He says, Life does not yield up his joys easily. In other words, it's uh, when we go through life, it's not that it's... Uh, always uh, telling us to rejoice. Uh, We have to decide to rejoice. All that lies ahead in the earthly realm is fundamentally unreliable. For this reason, passivity cannot lead to a life of joy. We need to take action. That's the idea here. Not to be passive. The preceding verses have elucidated the meaning of the vanity of life. It involves In uh, verse 1, delay. Verse 2, uncertainty. Verse 3 and 4, perplexity and difficulty. Uh, Verse uh, 5 and 6, ignorance and disappointment. And then he summarizes at the end here by saying, it is this that makes effort on the part of man so necessary. And the key is that it takes effort, effort, to rejoice at all times Um, but we need to do that Um, regardless of what we're going through we need to rejoice in our Lord and that's the message number two the command to rejoice during the fleeting days of youth and young adulthood removing grief and anger at the limitations of life, all in the context of the coming judgment of God. Verse 9 reads, Rejoice, young man, during your your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. Follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. Again, the command is to uh, rejoice in life. Um, early in, um, it, in life we need to establish a strong attitude of joy in everything in life as we go through life there will be tough times um, uh, both good and bad um, it talks about the heart uh, Michael Eaton writes uh, the source and means of joy is the heart the center of man's whole inner life the source of thought, feeling, resolution, and character. And uh, he says the eyes are the instrument of the heart. And so the heart and the eyes work together. And uh, so the heart needs to be filled with joy, uh, even though the eyes will see things that uh, don't, ma- don't make sense. Uh, life, uh, life is tough sometimes. Uh, it doesn't make sense to us to see a, a city like uh, Lahaina, a village like Lahaina and that uh, everybody enjoyed and then all of a sudden it's gone. Um, but we are to rejoice and we need to be careful. It's all, also, he mentions uh, in the context of the coming judgment of God. Um, And the indication there is that uh, we're to rejoice in life, we're to enjoy life, but we're not to participate in the uh, happy things of sin, uh, doing things that are sinful. Uh, So the context of of rejoicing is always knowing that uh, God is the judge, uh, God is the one who sees uh, through all things. Verse 10 says, so remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. And it's so easy to get angry at the negative things going on in our world, uh, things that are going on in our own country, uh, things that are happening to Christians. Um, It's easy to get angry about that, but... Even so, Solomon says, not to let those negative things rob you of your joy in the Lord. And um, I need to do that. You need to do that. Uh, We rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, the next chapter um, continues on the theme of youth and young age and old age and finally Uh, death so let's read that Uh, the first eight verses remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say I have no delight in them before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and clouds return after the rain in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle and because they are few and those who look through windows grow dim and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low and one will arise at the sound of the bird and, it, and all the daughters of song will sing softly Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel of the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. It says, Remember your Creator when you are young and before uh, you are old. We need to remember our Creator at all times, as we'll see later in the passage. Um, Verse 1 and 2, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them before the sun and light and moon and stars are darkened and clouds return uh, to the rain. Uh, That little word uh, says, remember also, um, when you see that, uh, it's connecting it to chapter 11. 11. And so we look back to chapter 11 as well. This is a continuation of that theme, talking about uh, young people uh, learning to praise the Lord, learning to rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in life. Um, And then talking about old age. Um, Chapter 11, man needs to rejoice in life itself and the goodness of life. And then chapter 12, man needs to remember and focus on his creator. Uh, creator in, in Hebrew here um, is in the plural. Um, we translate it uh, one creator because there is one creator, but it suggesting uh, greatness of majesty. Uh, we have a great and awesome God, um, and so we need to uh, think that way. As, for true Christians, our creator is our savior, our sustainer, our comforter. Um, he is the great and awesome God. For unbelievers, um, the creator represents the coming judgment of the creator. And so, um, he says, in the days of your youth, so many things to enjoy in life. Uh, he says, do that before old age comes, before old age hits. Evil days, old hardships, uh, old age hardships. Um when the time comes when you'll say, "I have, I have not, no delight in them," uh, life becomes hard. I can no longer do the things I enjoyed so much. Um, for many many years, um, I played slow pitch softball, and uh, in fact, I did it from uh, my twenties until I turned fifty, and um, I. I would play in tournaments, I would play in leagues, um, and uh, that was something that I really enjoyed. And, uh, you know, I, I can, I, I, it was all represented, in our old house I had uh, about 30 some trophies, uh, team trophies, and, uh, and some individual ones too as well, but uh, that was a delight, one of the delights of my youth, even at fifty, that was young, especially when I look at it now. Uh, but uh, you know there came a time when I could no longer do that and um, and i I had to give that up and well, I took up golf and I enjoyed golf. I still enjoy golf. but I can tell you that in the years I played golf um, When I pick a certain club, I know about how far that's gonna go. And uh, for those of you who are golfers, uh, the pros, when they pick up a nine iron, it probably goes uh, sometimes in in excess of 150 yards. Uh, For me, uh, 130 yards is a good shot, but I've noticed recently that a nine iron doesn't get me there. And so I'm experiencing gradual old age. And uh, so now I have to use an 8-iron uh, to get myself to the next step. And uh, so I just noticed that in my own life that uh, it's not the same as when I was young. But nonetheless, uh, the call is for us, the command for us is that we rejoice in everything. And we rejoice in All the things that we can do, Um, even though we can't do things that we really love doing uh, anymore, that's life, and that's what he's talking about here. Um, And we're to remember the things that that we can do when we were uh, when we were young. Remember our Creator. Um, So it's it's a special time, anyway. In number two, verse number two, old age is pictured. He says, by sun, light, moon, and stars are being darkened, and by more clouds after the rain. And that's a picture of old age. In uh, the next three verses are a description of the dif- difficulties of old age. Um, the visual images, as we read them, I'm sure you did what I did when I first read them, say, What is that all about? Um, And there's remarkable agreement between commentators um, in most of the areas that uh, we'll go through now, uh, and let me talk about them. Uh, Verse 3 says, In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim. Now, all of this is talking about old age um, and that's the, the context that we're looking at here is it's uh, talking about what happens at old age um, the watchman of the house um, uh, is, has the idea of protection and if you look at your John MacArthur study notes and and it's the same for other um, commentators uh, it has the idea of protection and um we use our hands and our arms to protect ourselves. And so um, it's referring to old age hands and arms, which are not as strong as they used to be. Um, And so we're, in a lot of cases, we're defenseless. Uh, We can't defend ourselves like we could when we were young. Uh, Mighty men stoop, it says, uh, referring to the legs of old men. Uh, when you're young if you couldn't fight you could at least run <laughs> and, uh, but referring to the legs of old men uh, uh, it's and old men and women it's, it's not the same as it was uh, when we were younger grinding, grinding ones they are few this was one that was surprising to me but uh, all the commentators say is this is referring to teeth your teeth are not the same, um, and then those who look through the windows uh, grow dim, and of course that's talking about the eyes. Uh, verse four says, "And the doors of on the street are shut, as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly." And when we break that apart, it continues to talk about old age. Uh, the things that uh, happen. Uh, the doors of the street uh, are shut. Um, now, there, this was one difference that I saw. Uh, John MacArthur says that it refers to lips that do not have much to say. Um, Michael Eaton, who is recommended by John MacArthur, takes a different path. He says that's uh, talking about uh, impaired hearing. Um, or reduced access to the outside world. Uh, and all of this is talking about uh, some of the faculties of, of our body uh, are not as strong as they used to be. And, and yet, in all of this, we are to continue to um, rejoice. Um, the talk talks about the sound of the grinding mill is low, uh, which means being shut off from the hum of, da- of daily life. Um, Arise at the sound of the bird, uh, and uh, the commentators say that's speaking of light sleeping in old age. Um, and I find that in my own life, uh, little things will wake me up. Uh, uh, daughters of song will sing softly. The ear and vo- uh, the ear and the voice of uh, those that once loved music. It's uh, not the same as it used to be. Verse 5 says, Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. When it says, Afraid of a high place and terrors on the road, um, it's uh, talks about fear of heights fear of falling um, and uh, and harder it's harder to uh, take journeys long journeys um, and uh, we experience that almond tree blossoms uh, and commentators talk about the hair turning gray uh, and then silver and um, the, the line about the uh, grasshopper in the New King James Version um, says the grasshopper is a burden. And uh, the interpretation there might be that uh, the slightest weight becomes burdensome for older people. Uh, we can't pick up the things that we used to pick up. Um, the caperberry is ineffective. Uh, desire fails. Um it is the way it's recorded in ESV and uh, the New King James Version, and the capa berry was evidently a, a, a stimulant to body appetites and uh, to diminished appetites that uh, we experience in old age. It's no wonder the youth is to enjoy life and to remember his Creator. Uh, old age comes soon enough. Uh, and speaking as one who is in old age now, um, I can tell you it comes a lot faster than you think it does. Um, life, life is um, very short in the end. And, and uh, we are to spend our life rejoicing in what the Lord has given to us. Regardless of what our circumstances are, uh, we are to take joy and rejoice in what our Creator has given to us. In verses six and seven, um, uh, it continues on um, about old age and the time of death. Remember your Creator in old age, before the time of death. Um, says in verse six, uh, remember Him. Well, we're talking. This is a continuation of verse one, remembering your Creator. Uh, so. It says, to remember your creator in old age before the time of death. Um, we're to live responsibly. Uh, for true Christians, our creator, our savior, our sustainer, our comforter. That's uh, how we look at uh, our creator. For unbelievers, the coming judgment is, is the way they need to see uh, the coming judgment um, the way they need to see the Creator. Verse six, six says, "Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed." Um, these are two pictures of death. And uh, the silver cord is um, would be the silver cord that holds on to that. Uh, holds on to a bowl uh, hanging from the ceiling and and uh, maybe a candle in it uh, and uh, it pictures that and that cord is broken and what happens is the bowl is crushed um, and so uh, and the cord is broken by age um, by death and the golden bowl is destroyed and that speaks of of death the same picture the second picture is that of a well and a pitcher that gets lowered by a rope into the well and it talks about the, the mechanism the, the uh, cistern the wheel at the cistern is crushed and when that happens the pit, pitcher that has been suspended by a rope from the, the cistern wheel uh, gets crushed and that's speaking about old age again, and and um, how eventually um, the thread that we hang on to is gone, and and that uh, speaks of death. Uh, verse seven it says, "Then the dust will return to the earth, as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it." Uh, Genesis 3.19, after man had sinned, uh, God reminded them that by the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, till you die. Because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so uh, when we speak of uh, the dust, uh, the dust will return in verse 7 is speaking about death that uh, eventually comes. So here's the final assessment. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And uh, we've just been talking about things that are hard to talk about, things that uh, death looms over all of us, uh, whether young or old, and that's why we remember our Creator and live our life in the context of, of who our creator is. Uh, and uh, for some, the creator is the judge. Uh, for others, the creator is our life, our eternal life. This final assessment, vanity of vanities, is we see that uh, in several places in the book of Ecclesiastes. But... We see it at the beginning and we see it now at the end. And I'd like to think of that as as bookmarks. This is the book of Ecclesiastes. And one early bookmark is Ecclesiastes 1 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then you get to the end of the book and uh, we see the same thing, same words. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And that's his assessment of what life looks like. But in the midst of all of that, we see the two themes that we've been talking about. That life is a gift from God to be enjoyed. Um, And whatever our circumstances are, we can and should rejoice, take joy in what the Lord has given to us. The Lord has blessed us with eternal life. Uh, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But life has serious limitations because of the fall. Um, Not everything is going to be rosy every day. Um, There are going to be hard times for each one of us. Um, And I know many in this room have experienced those things. And, And there'll be more to come. But... Still, life is a gift from God to be enjoyed. And we can enjoy life and we can enjoy our God. We can enjoy all the things that he's given to us, regardless of what our circumstances are. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. But in the midst of all that, life is a gift from God to be enjoyed. And life has serious limitations because of the fall of man. The conclusion of the book comes in the last uh, six verses. Um, And let me read those for you. Verse 9. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher, uh, which would be Solomon, also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. Proverbs. The preacher uh, sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of the wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Verse 9 and 10 talks about the work of of, uh, Solomon. The work of the preacher, teaching knowledge and publishing proverbs, and writing words of truth, and we have that um, in in uh, Solomon's writings. And uh, God blessed Solomon with uh, uh, uncommon wisdom. Uh, let me let me read that for you in First Kings chapter three, uh, verses nine through twelve. So give your servant, uh, this was uh, Solomon's prayer to the Lord, and uh, it's the request that he made. uh, And he could have requested a lot of different things, but listen to what he specifically requested. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? Verse 10, it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for yourself long life, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment, to understand justice, behold, I have done according to your words, behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart. So that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall there, nor one like you will will arise after you. Um, when we think about wisdom um, and wise people in in our, this room, uh, there are a lot of wise people, um, but the one who has had the most wisdom, uh, according to the scriptures, is Solomon. Nobody has ever come, no philosophers that we hear about, uh, no people that we respect uh, has greater wisdom than what Solomon had. And, uh, and that's what he talks about. It Solomon used that, the work of the preachers, teaching knowledge, teaching uh, knowledge from the wisdom that he had, publishing Proverbs, uh, displaying uh, the wisdom that God gave to him and writing words of truth, as he's done here in in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, In God's providence, we have the wisdom and writings of King Solomon, which were given to him uh, by God himself. Um, And we've been going through those this year. Excuse me. We've been going through those this year in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon, which we'll uh, do next week. Um, we have the privilege of listening to uh, the wisest man who ever lived, the most man with the most wisdom that ever lived. And what a privilege that is for us to go through these various books um, that uh, God has given to us through... Uh, his servant, Solomon. Then you have the commendation of the preacher in verse 11. Uh, uh, he says, The words of wise men are like goads, uh, prods, uh, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails, and they are given by one shepherd. Um And uh, so it says, the the commendation of the preacher, true words of the wise are profitable. And I say true words because we're not talking about uh, just any sort of wisdom. We're talking about God's wisdom. Uh, Because he says it comes from uh, one shepherd. Uh, That shepherd could only be God. And uh, that's where that comes from. That's where it came from for Solomon. Uh, Solomon got his wisdom from the one shepherd. He got it from God. And uh, so true wisdom goes beyond uh, Solomon uh, to other gifted men and women. Um, But all true wisdom is given by one shepherd, the triune God. God gave Solomon wisdom. Uh, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, The Holy Spirit is the author of all scripture, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, and 2 Peter one twenty one. Then he gives a warning. And the warning of the preacher, uh, beyond the wisdom of the one shepherd, be warned of many books of worldly wisdom being written. Um, so um, 1 Corinthians uh, 1 um 1 verse 20 says, Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That's God's wisdom. For the, indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Um, So he's giving us a warning. And I know that um, we've all read things outside of the scriptures. And and we just need to be careful about uh, the things that we read. uh, Because it's worldly wisdom unless it aligns itself with uh, the truth of, of our God. Um, Jeremiah 8, 9 says, The wise men are put to shame. They are, uh, are dismayed and caught. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what kind of wisdom do they have? Uh, they don't have any wisdom. And that's the message of that. So here's the conclusion Fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, when we talk about fearing God, uh, we're not talking about, uh, it's not talking about being afraid of God, um, although that's an element, uh, can be an element of it, but fearing God is uh, being in reverential awe of the Lord God. Um, our, our God is, as he said to Moses, Uh, when Moses asked asked what his name was, he says, I am. I am that I am. Uh, That's my name. That describes who God is. He just is. Uh, He is the transcendent God. Uh, He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Think about uh, infinity when you talked before about looking up at the sky and just think about how vast that is. And you're not seeing anything close to uh, the universe or or beyond the universe. And we need to think of God and understand that he is the I am God. He is um, a transcendent God, more than we can even imagine. And um, one of the things about eternity, we think about, I'm going to be in a Sunday school class for eternity, I'm going to be, you know, trying to learn things and... When we get to heaven and and, uh, we get to know our God, know the Lord Jesus Christ in a much different way, in a much thorough way, we'll spend eternity and not even reach uh, the depths of who God is. And that's what he's talking about, fearing God. But he's also, as he told Moses, he says, I am Yahweh, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, uh, and that means he's the covenant-keeping God. He's the imminent God. He's the God who is with us. Um, and that's the God that we're to fear, that we're to be in awe of. Even the fact that he, that he saves us uh, ought to strike us with <laughs> the fear of God. Um, how awesome is that, that he would save us individually uh, but he does that. Um, and why Why do we... Um, to whom does this apply? It applies to every person, it says. It applies to believers in Jesus Christ. Um, it applies to unbelievers. Uh, this is a call for unbelievers, anybody in this room that is not in Christ, to repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um So this command is universal. Fear God and keep his commandments. And why? For God is the final judge. He will bring every act to judgment and everything which is hidden, whether it is good or bad. And that's how our passage ends. I want to end with, um, I'll try and do this briefly as I can. Um, But Abraham is, is a great example of somebody who feared God. And in Genesis 22, um, a man, uh, Abraham, feared God, and he obeyed God. Genesis uh, 22, verses 1 and 2, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son, and and if you read back, the fact that he was his only son, he was the son of the covenant. He was the son through whom the Lord Jesus Christ would come, and so um, this is this is monumental that God would ask him to do that, tell him to do that. Um, take now your only son, your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Uh, on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. And then uh, I won't read you the whole story, but as he's, Abraham has got the knife and he's about to slay his son, uh, being obedient to God. Uh, Genesis 22, 12 says, he said, God said, that is, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me, uh, that was an example of of uh, fearing God. Uh, he obeyed his commandment. His commandment was to slay his son. But beyond that, in Hebrews 11, um, verse 17, it says, "By faith Abraham, when he was t- tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises." was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendant shall be called, and ultimately, ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Essentially, Isaac was as good as dead, and Abraham believed that if he killed him, that God would raise him from the dead. That's a man who fears the Lord and obeys obeys him, even when he doesn't understand what this is about. Uh, He did that. He obeyed him. All right, let's do the application real quickly here. Um, And I'm going to keep it really simple. Fear God and keep his commandments. We've gone through a lot of things about wisdom and and, uh, living life, rejoicing in life. But in the end, Solomon reduces it to these two commands. Fear God and keep his commandments. And I've given you some verses. Let me just go through them real quickly. Ecclesiastes 3.14. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There's nothing to add to it and there's nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. Ecclesiastes 8. uh, Although a sinner does... "'Evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, "'still I know it will be well for those who fear God, "'who fear him openly. "'But it will not be well for the evil man, "'and he will not lengthen his days like a shadow "'because he does not fear God.'" Psalm one hundred eleven ten: 10, "'The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.'" A uh, good understanding have all those who do his commandments. So here we see those two things connected again. Fearing God and, and obeying his commands. Finally, Proverbs 1, seven: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's important for us to remember, as we've gone through a couple chapters um, that it all comes down to these two things, fear God and keep his commandments. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for um, your word, uh, for these two chapters in which we learn more about who you are, and learn more about who we are, and uh, pray that we would heed the commands that you've given to us uh, But foremost, that we would fear you, that we would reverence you, uh, that we would worship you, um, that we would understand that uh, you are the only one who controls everything. Um, And help us to be obedient to your commands, the things that we know from your scriptures, how we're to love one another and we're to uh, love you as well, and Help us to do that. Help us to be faithful in in fearing you, uh, like Abraham. And then, uh, because we fear you, uh, we keep your commandments. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our Savior. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that has not come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, they will uh, fear God. Uh, that they will. Uh, repent of their sin, and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through faith. And we ask all of this in the name of our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. Amen.